It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the 59th Minute FPL Podcast, which is brought to you by Fantasy Football Scouts. I'm Mark McGettigan, you'll find me on Twitter at FPL General. We're just one week away from the Game Week 1 deadline and another season of FPL action. When the season does kick off, there will be a 59th Minute Podcast episode every Monday and Friday throughout the season, aside from the international breaks, so make sure you hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening, and leave a review if you get a chance as well. On today's episode, I'll be revealing my current player watch list for Game Week 1, which has been cut from 40 players to just 25, as well as my latest draft. I've also put together my golden rules slash overall strategy Google document for the new season, which I do every year. So I'll talk you through what's on that. And as always, listener questions will be answered. Before I get started, I just want to mention that Fantasy Football Scout currently have a 30% pre-season discount. There's a link in the description of this episode for that. And also, if you haven't yet bought your ticket for Fantasy Football Fest and you can make it to the event in London next Friday, the same day as the Game Week 1 deadline, get your tickets and I hope to see lots of listeners there. If you are going, make sure you come and say hello but preferably after the deadline, because beforehand I'll be stressed like you trying to pick my team for game week one. Right, into the business. The watch list, like I mentioned, there was a podcast episode a couple of weeks ago which had 40 players on it. That has been cut now to 25. So that's often what I do you know, in a pre-season Kind of have a fairly big watch list to begin with, and as the weeks pass by, as we get some you know preseason information, as players get injured, as players leave the league, the watch list does get smaller and smaller the closer we get to the deadline. So starting off, like always, there's no goalkeepers on the watch list. My current thoughts there are 
I don't love any of the 4.5 million options. So I do like starting with Manchester United goalkeeper Onana for an extra 0.5 and then possibly going to the best 4.5 million option whenever I play the first wildcard. Also watching the Arsenal situation closely because it looks like David Raya from Brentford could be on his way to Arsenal, which is a bit of a surprise. They would have two very good goalkeepers then. And there might be a little hack that we could play before the season starts. If David Raya does get confirmed as an Arsenal player, if you put him in your team while he's still at Brentford, you could end up with four Arsenal players in your team for that Nottingham Forest fixture in game week one. Although you would need David Raya to start ahead of Ramsdale. So obviously it's not, might not be the best idea. And then you would be forced to sell an Arsenal player with your first transfer of the season. But I'm sure some people will not be able to resist temptation of a possible fourth Arsenal player to start the campaign. On to the defenders on the watch list. This is in order of price. Trent Alexander-Arnold, he was in my first team, first couple of drafts. As soon as I took him out, I haven't put him back in because I do like what you can do with the cash saving. So at this moment in time, it looks like Trent will not be in my Game 1 squads. That's what I need to think about between now and next Friday. Other defenders on the watch list. Trippier, unlikely to go there because of the fixtures to begin with, but hopefully will be in the team after a few weeks. Ben Chilwell, very, very tempting option. He is in my latest draft. First three or four drafts, he was nowhere near it, but... As we get closer to the season, which I'm pretty sure I mentioned in one of the first podcasts during preseason, I knew I would get tempted by a Chelsea fullback when we get closer to kickoff. So Ben Chilwell is in at the moment, and I'll talk more about him later. Luke Shaw's on the watch list, but I'll probably go Onana and save 0.5. Manchester City centre-backs on the watch list, John Stones and Ruben Diaz. I've removed Ake. I just prefer hopefully spending an extra 0.5 and getting some more security of starts. I think it'll be a question of Chilwell versus a City defender. That could well be a decision to make next Thursday or Friday. Elsewhere, Gabriel's on the watch list. He's been in every draft. He's probably going to be in the game week one team. You've also got a Stupin in. Very good chance of making the squad also. Botman, still on the watch list, but again, similar to Trippier. Don't think he'll be in the first squad. I'll come back to him when I wildcard. Hopefully, maybe a wee bit cheaper by then as well, given that his ownership's quite high and the fixtures are not too pretty. My 4.5 million defender of choice at the moment is Tarkowski at Everton. Now, not as a starting player, but as a first sub. Has a bit of goal threats, has good fixtures first eight game weeks, like him as a differential if he's needed as an auto sub. Making up the watch list for defenders is 4 million buyer at Burnley. I do need to do a bit more digging on 4 million defenders before the season starts, but at the moment, Bayer is in. Midfielders on the watch list, Mohamed Salah, but much like Trent Alexander-Arnold, he's not in the current draft, no Liverpool players, which feels odd, but it also doesn't feel too scary as it might have done in previous seasons. So Salah is here on the watch list, but that's probably as far as he's going to make it in terms of game week one, because I do like spreading the cash around the squad. Also, Hyungman Son, who was in my first draft, but don't think he's been in any draft since. I think I probably will just wait and see with Tottenham, see how they play the first couple of game weeks. Players like Son, players like Madison, monitor the Kane situation, see what kind of impact that has on Richarlison. I think it's an easy wait and see on Tottenham to begin with. 
Then you've got three Arsenal midfielders, Saka, Martinelli and Odegaard. And now that Gabriel Jesus is injured and looks likely to miss the start of the season, there's going to be a lot more interest in these Arsenal midfielders. Saka, like Erling Haaland's, has been in every one of my drafts. So Saka is a definite for me. The question then is, is it Martinelli or is it Odegaard? And it's kind of been... I've kind of been weighing up Martinelli versus Jesus for the last couple of weeks, so it's nice that that decision is made for me now. But it also makes me think, has Odegaard been overlooked by myself and most of the community during this pre-season? So I think what you'll probably find is Odegaard starting to pop up in a lot more teams over the next six or seven days. And I'm certainly going to give Odegaard some more consideration versus Martinelli for a second Arsenal attacker. Next up on the watch list, the Manchester United guys, Rashford and Bruno Fernandes. I think there's a question on those later. I'll come back to it. But I do think I'll end up going with both for the first three game weeks when the fixtures are good. Phil Foden is also here. He was in the draft for a week or two. I think I've taken him out now for Martinelli. Foden, it's quite simple for me with Foden. If I get two green ticks in terms of starting the community shield the week before the season starts, which is this Sunday. And if we get team news before the deadline next Friday, and if we find out that Phil Foden is in the Manchester City team, I will find it very hard not to gamble as a one-week punt or hopefully a couple of weeks punt on Phil Foden. And then when the minutes start getting a bit sketchy, can always just jump off for a Madison or something like that when we have more information or a Raheem Sterling at Chelsea or one of the Liverpool attackers. So Foden is here and I'm waiting to see what happens Community Shield and in terms of early team leaks. On to the cheaper midfielders. These guys are all fighting it out for the fifth midfield position in a 3-5-2. You've got Jared Bowen at West Ham, Mbumo at Brentford, Matoma at Brighton and Eze at Crystal Palace. I've seen a few people also suggesting that Diaby from Aston Villa should be on my watch list, but it doesn't really suit my style of picking a player that I've never seen play before and he's new to the Premier League. So I'll, I'll take a wait and see on, on Diaby. Hopefully he does become a very good option. Certainly promising signs pre-season games, but I will stick to tried and trusted one of these guys, Bowen, Bumo, Mitsoma or Eze, and it's a very close call. I feel like if you ask me that question, which one of those four would you go for? If you ask me that question every day for the next seven days, I could give you a different order each time. So probably the most, along with the goalkeeper, I would probably find it the most tricky position to nail down in the starting 11. Onto the forwards on the watch list. Very easy. There was three players. There's now two because Gabriel Jesus is injured. Erling Haaland and Ollie Watkins. So because there's only two forwards on my watch list, they are almost certainly going to be my strike force for game week one this season. So there you have it. There is the player pool of 25 players that I'm fishing in for my Game Week 1 picks. Before I get on to the latest draft, I just want to do some self-promotion, something I always find hard to do. But this is the time of the season where I need to get my subscribers, need to get new subscribers, need to get subscribers back who've taken a break during the summer. Patreon.com forward slash FPL General if you want to support me as a full-time FPL content creator. You're not only supporting me, you get lots and lots of extra FPL content, extra podcasts, ITS podcasts, live streams, Q&As, and team reveals before the deadline. So check that out if you get a chance. It's patreon.com forward slash FPL general. Moving on now to the latest draft. One week to go. 
you know, seven or eight days to go until the deadline. This is where I'm at, and I'm feeling pretty settled. Unless anything major happens, my gimmick one team will not be too far away from this one. Goalkeeper Onana with Ariola from West Ham on the bench. Very good chance I'm going to go with those two guys. And like I mentioned, on the wild card, then just figure out which 4.5 million goalkeeper to go for, even if they're 4.6 or 4.7 at that stage. In defence, in a 3-5-2 formation, Gabriel from Arsenal, Stupinen from Brighton, and currently Chilwell from Chelsea. Now, Chilwell could be a Manchester City defender, or it could be someone else from the watch list, but very exciting option. I don't mind that he plays Liverpool the first game. I'd probably just start him and hope for an attacking return. Game week two to game week eight, Chelsea are right near the top of the fixture ticker. Might even be top from game week two to game week eight. So that's very attractive. Kind of saves yourself a transfer in game week two or game week three. If you already have Chilwell there, if he starts the season well, you can use your transfer elsewhere rather than buying the Chelsea man. So Gabriel Estupin and Chilwell at the moment. On the bench then, it would be Tarkowski as a first sub and buyer or another 4.0 million defender. I don't want to go for two 4.0 million defenders because I never really want to get them off the bench. If someone doesn't show up, I'd rather have a Turkowski coming off with a bit of goal threat and at least you know he's going to play as well. Midfield in the current draft, Saka, who is a lock. Martinelli's currently in there. Manchester United double up of Bruno and Rashford. And then it's that tricky fifth midfield position. Brian Mbumo is currently there. He was in my first draft a month ago. Then he wasn't in it for three, four, five drafts in the middle. And he's come back in now as we get closer to the season. But like I said, Jared Bowen, Matoma and Eze all under serious consideration for that position. And I, I suppose I haven't completely ruled out 4-4-2 instead. Maybe you go for a Manchester City defender and Chilwell. And then you go for a 4.5 midfielder in a 4-4-2 formation. But I'm trying to stick to my guns. My initial feelings this season where that a 3-5-2 is the way I want it to go. That's what most of my drafts have been. So I think it will be the case that I pick one of those cheaper midfielders to go beside Saka, Bruno Rashford and probably Martinelli. But Martinelli's spot is probably up for grabs as well. I'll, I'll look at Odegaard and I might look at a few other options there as well. Up front, it's easy. It's Erling Haaland, it's Ollie Watkins, and it's the legend that is Luke Plange on the bench who has sealed a loan move to Carlisle. I think it was a loan move. might have even been permanent. But he's red flag now, so big question for me. Biggest decision of the season for me. Do I keep Luke Plange as a red-flagged player in my team on the bench because he was in my Game Week 1 team last season? Do I stay loyal to this guy? Do I try and pick him every season for the next few years? Or do I move him to someone like a Mubama? at West Ham, who's been getting decent minutes at the start of the season. A couple of bullet points that I noted down here under this draft. I probably covered a few already, but basically I've noted down Chilwell versus Stones or Diaz for Manchester City. Salah question mark, Trent question mark. But I think at the moment my answer to those two is go without, make your bed, pretend Liverpool don't play Bournemouth game week two, go out shopping that day or do something that takes you away from the Liverpool game, pretend it's not happening. Also noted down again, Bumo versus Matoma versus Eze versus Bowen. I'm really struggling with that one. And I do want to consider Martinelli versus Odegaard a little bit more. And the final one is is the Phil Foden punt. You know, if Foden, like I said, if he starts to be in the shield, if we get a team that he plays game week one, I'd probably gamble on Foden over Martinelli in that scenario. And I would actually be open to double Arsenal defence, possibly, 
instead of double attack now that Gabriel Jesus is not an option. But maybe just go with two Arsenal and keep it flexible, see what happens with players like Nketia, even Balogun, Trossard, Havertz, and be able to you know have a choice of those players rather than those over those who go for triple to begin with. So that's the current draft. That's some of the questions I'm facing. And I'm sure there'll be other headaches to to overcome over the next week or two. But there will be another podcast before the season starts. So we'll come back to this in a bit more detail. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Next section of the episode is my golden rules slash strategy for the season. So for new listeners, um, maybe I didn't even mention this for the last season or two on the podcast, but a couple of years ago, what I started doing in preseason was basically typing up a Google document, just one page with bullet points, something that I refer to or read often, especially on a Friday before I make my transfers. It's a few bullet points just to remind me of what, basically remind me of the way I wanted to play the game before the season started. Because once we get into the season, it's very easy to forget how you want to play the game and get caught up and you know follow other managers rather than following your own advice or your own strategy. So my advice is, if you can do this, it doesn't have to be typed. I type it, I print it out, I stick it up in my office in the house. I also um, take a screenshot of it and have it as my desktop background on on the laptop, just so every time I switch on the laptop, I'm reminded of kind of my golden rules or strategy for the season. That just drills it into me, and then it kind of makes it easier to follow throughout the season. So I won't spend loads of time on each bullet point. I'll kind of read through them, and I'll talk about some of them, and some of them I'll just skip through. But this will just give you an idea of some of the stuff you can put on yours. You'll have different ones. You might want to play the game differently to me. You might not include some of these and you might add some extra ones yourself. But this is this is what's worked for me over the years. And this is what I'm gonna the way I'm gonna try and play the game again this season. So the first bullet point says safe picks in game week one, avoid new players to the league and teams in transition. So before he got injured and Kunku wasn't gonna be in my draft. Diaby from Aston Villa won't be in my draft. I'll just give these new players to the league time to adapt and then I'll decide if they're good FPL picks. And I'm going to avoid teams in transition. That's probably your Tottenham's of this world. 
Chelsea, but again, might make an exception for Chilwell because he's a proven FPL asset and he's fit at the moment and the fixtures are good. So everything is flexible. No rule is ever set in stone. But certainly, new players to the league, you probably won't see any of them in my Game Week 1 team. And Tottenham's a good example of a team in transition where I'm probably going to avoid with a new manager. Next bullet point says, pick proven FPL assets from good teams that have good fixtures. I remind myself of this all the time. You simplify FPL, good players, good teams, good fixtures. If you say that to yourself often, if you say that to yourself on a Friday or a Saturday morning when you're making your transfers, you shouldn't go too far wrong. Next bullet point, bank a transfer as often as possible. Once a game week is finished, the first question I always ask myself is, can I bank a transfer this week? It's not, who should I buy next week? It's, can I bank a transfer? If my team's in good shape, I will very often bank a transfer because then you have the two free transfers the next week and also the extra week of information, which is very, very useful. Next on the list, aim for 40 transfers in total over the season. Now, I won't religiously stick to this. I won't get stressed if I make more than 40 or if I make less than 40. But I always think back to the seasons where I did get three top 500 finishes. And in some of those seasons, I made around 39, 40, 41 transfers. And to me, that is a patient approach. It's me giving players time to deliver. It's related to the next bullet point, which is fix the weakest link in the squad and don't ignore fires. Because if you fix your weakest link often, if you put out the fires, you shouldn't have to make many transfers and you shouldn't have to take too many points hit. So I always can have that number 40 of transfers in my head to try and stay as close to that as I can over the course of a whole season. That just helps me to stick to my kind of conservative, safe approach as an FPL manager. Next note says, aim for a maximum of minus 20 in hits over the season. So that would be five minus fours or maybe a minus eight and three minus fours doesn't really matter what the details are but over the course of the season I try not to take too many points hits I always think if you manage your squad well if you're sensible if your transfers if you fix that weakest link you shouldn't have to take too many hits now I also have noted down here I do aim for roughly minus 20 over the season but that doesn't count blank game weeks and double game weeks so I don't mind how many hits I take for a player if I've got a player who's not playing and I'm taking a hit to get a player who is playing I don't count that in this minus 20 likewise if I'm bringing in a player for a minus four who's got two fixtures over someone who's got one fixture I don't include that in this figure either next up it says Friday night transfers but be open to early transfers in the first few game weeks of the season I like information I like press conference news I like having all the information from the European games midweek before I make my FPL transfers. Now, from game week one to around game week four, maybe the first international break, I will be open to making early transfers, whether it be a Sunday or a Monday, because the price changes are a bit crazy at the start, and sometimes you're forced to make an uncomfortable early transfer. But if there's a player I really want, and if I'm not going to be able to buy them on Friday, first couple of game weeks, I will be open to moving early. Easier to move early at the start because you don't have Champions League games midweek. Less chance of injuries to any of your players. Next up, it says, don't let fear rule transfers. We can't have them all. Trust the troops. I always say that to people. If they're worried about getting a player, they can't really get there. If they need a minus eight or minus 12 to get there, I just say, trust the troops. You've probably got a good squad already. Back them and don't let fear over one player rule your transfers or your captaincy decisions. Also, ignore player ownership. Focus on points, not percentages. I always try to ignore player ownership. 
impossible if you're an FPL content creator. I could probably tell you most players' ownership because I'm on social media, I'm writing content, I'm doing podcasts, but I try and let it go over my head as much as possible. And I don't let ownership percentages dictate whether I pick a player or I avoid a player. I'm focusing on who I think gets the most points. Points over pounds is a very famous FPL phrase. No, this kind of is now more about when I'm watching a game. I've noted down here, no mobile phone during the games. What Give the game 100% attention. Make notes while you're watching it and trust my own eye test. Nowadays, us human beings, were very easily distracted. When I'm in the car these days, it blows my mind how many people are not on the phone up by their ear. They're literally scrolling these days on their phone. The roads are a very dangerous place because of, of, of these addictions we have to our mobile phones. FPL-wise, when I'm watching a game, if you're an eye test manager and you like to pick up things from watching games, more so than, than looking at the numbers, put your phone in a different room. If you've got a tablet, put it in a different room, switch it off, put it on silent. Watch the game with 100% attention because if you're on your phone, it would probably sh- if you videoed yourself watching a Premier League game with your phone, it would probably shock you how little of the game you actually watch due to distraction, whether it be tweeting or looking at stuff on you know football apps and stuff like that. So give the game 100% attention if you are an eye test manager. That way you will pick up on very beneficial things. Next up, it says update the watch list every week. This is something I've always done on the transfers page of the FPL website. Every week I go in and update my watch list and it helps... I don't forget to do it because I update it on the podcast every week as well. If you've never used the watchlist feature, I advise you to give it a go, even just for pre-season. And then you might continue doing it each week or each international break or something like that during the campaign. Next up, it says, always remain flexible regarding strategy and planning. Nothing is ever set in stone. Next up, focus on the decision-making process, not the outcome. Don't get beat up by bad game weeks. I think I've said here, stay calm after a bad game week. Don't make rage transfers. I'm pretty good at that anyway, but it's good to stick it on the sheet just to remind myself in those low scoring game weeks when other managers score highly, just step away. Don't make transfers. Come back in a couple of days time. You've got to remember your team on paper could have been excellent. And if it scores 22 points in a game week, that's not your fault. You know, it's we can't predict what's going to happen in any single weekend of FPL action. And always say to yourself, the same team that just scored 22 points could score 82, week, 82 points the week after. So don't panic after a bad game week. Just a few more notes I've put on this document. Aim to only make goalkeeper changes when I'm wildcarding. So go for a set and forget goalkeeper approach. Auto-captain Haaland until there's a good reason not to, which might be rotation or injury. Have a decent first sub at all times, not a 4 million defender. And the final point is ideally keep 0.5 million in the bank in game week one. So that's something I always try and do. I won't lose any sleep if I spend all of my money on my game week one team, if it's a squad I'm very happy with. But I will try to keep 0.5 in the bank if possible. And that's another reason why Foden's attractive. Because if I go Foden over Martinelli, there's my 0.5 million for a little bit of wiggle room when it comes to making my first transfer or two of the season. So that is... Some things I am going to be following this season, as I do every season, but I'm going to print it out again this season. I didn't do it last season. I'm going to print it out this season and make it my screensaver on my laptop again. So some of you will take some of that. Some of you might go away and make your own, but it's it's very useful, I think, to have something you can look at on a Friday because 
as you know, nowadays when you get to Friday, you can be your head can be absolutely scrambled. If you're like me and you really enjoy listening to FPL podcasts, football podcasts, you know, reading content and, and watching stuff on YouTube, I do that as much as you guys do. My head is often scrambled on a Friday. It's good to have this little reminder of how you want to play the game. And like I said, you will probably have different bullet points to me. Make it, you know, make it specific to you and how you want to play the game. It's time for some listener questions now. Thank you as always to everyone who sent them in. I've got 10 to cover, which will wrap up today's episode. First one from Paul Goldsmith. How important do you think finding good rotational pairs is? Paul is particularly looking at Palace and Villa combinations, for instance, as it reduces planned transfers and increases good fixtures. Overall, rotation is something I've never really liked. Again, if you're a new manager, what Paul means here is you could pick, for example, a Crystal Palace midfielder and maybe an Aston Villa defender, and then you alternate them each week in your starting 11. So one's in your 11 and one's on your bench based on who has the best fixture that game week. It's something I've never really done because I always feel like just one injury or, or something just kind of messes up the whole rotation. Also, it can become frustrating because you're probably going to have two decent assets there and quite often one of them will score well on the bench, which just is a bit frustrating. It's something I don't really do, but that doesn't mean it's not a it's not a good strategy. And I've seen a few people this season in preseason with maybe Chilwell on their bench or Trippier on their bench to begin with, and then maybe rotating with them with someone who has a good fixture in game week one. And maybe in Newcastle's case, you know, rotating Trippier with someone who's got good fixtures when he's got bad fixtures. So you know, play around with it and see how it feels. If it's something that you think is useful, I wouldn't stop anyone from doing it. But personally, I just don't really bother with it. I like to just pick eleven players play them every week and and then just have a decent first sub. But yeah, rotation's not for me, but I think I was surprised actually how much I've seen it on my timeline in pre-season and, and even from, from very good managers. So it's certainly a viable strategy if it's something that you fancy. Question from Eric Ness Onstad. Is your flirting with Foden on general like? Yeah, it probably is. You know, people have been following me for a long time. I'm a very safe manager. I don't take too many risks on players that I need to sweat over team sheets for uh, and like I said the only reason Foden will make it is if, if there's a you know a, a reliable team league game week one and he's starting any doubts whatsoever he will not be in my squad and I don't mind it as a short-term pick because it might only be for a week or two and then we're going to have Chelsea, Liverpool, Tottenham It'll be a bit more clear which midfielders from those teams that we should go for. So I don't mind it as a short-term punt. It is not really on brand with FPL General, but I'm certainly open to the idea this season. And, and the main reason I'm open to it is, if you're simpl- simplifying FPL again, pick the best players from the best teams. Man City, champions last season, have as many of their players as you can, is basically what a new FPL manager would do if they were coming in to play the game this season but they probably don't know who Pep Guardiola is Pep Guardiola is, and how frustrating he is for FPL managers. So I want to be a little bit braver with, with Pep Guardiola and Manchester City picks in FPL, and, and hopefully we do get a team league game week one uh, to help us with that decision. Question from Mark Cram. If we get a City team league game week one and Alvarez is starting, would you put him into your lineup? Again, similar to Foden. I think if Alvarez is starting, you can definitely take a punt there. Especially now that we've probably lost Jesus, we might lose Nkunku as game week one options. Alvarez, not on my watch list, but it's more so more so because I'm going to go 3-5-2. I like a lot of midfielders. I like Haaland. I like Watkins. 
you know, I like Watkins a lot more than Alvarez for minutes. And again, structure-wise, if you go for Alvarez, it, yeah, I think he's about 6 or 6.5 million as a striker. If you go for him and it doesn't work out, there's not a huge amount I like as direct alternatives at the same price. So you could get snookered a wee bit there if you do go for Alvarez. But again, if he's in a team sheet before the deadline, again, I wouldn't stop anyone from doing it because we know how good he is and we know how good Manchester City are. So players like Foden and Alvarez, I think are going to cause a lot of panic around the game week one deadline but even if I got news Alvarez was starting I don't think I would go there because I'd just be slightly fearful of how I would get out of that situation if it doesn't go right it's much easier to get out of a Foden situation at his price point in midfield question from FPL Tom Bruno Fernandes or Marcus Rashford I think I've probably covered this a few times pre-season and I still don't know the answer. I think it's very, very difficult to pick one if you're only going to go for one of the United guys in midfield. That's why I just like the warm feeling of going for both and then hopefully at least one of them goes big in the first three game weeks and you've, you're always able to jump off one of them then after a while. Again, if you pick one or the other, you could also get the wrong one. Uh, of course, you could go Rashford to Bruno with a transfer if that's what we need to do, if Bruno turns out to be the better option or vice versa. But again, when the fixtures are good, first three, when the prices are good, I think for both players, Bruno in particular, with those penalties at 8.5, I think it's just that, just it could end up being a mistake that price. You could absolutely blow that out of the water. So yeah, if you can, I would probably get both players. I think that is probably the best way to go. Question from Webco Wheat. How do you get comfortable with an Arsenal and Manchester United triple up, knowing that they will face each other in game week four? That doesn't really bother me. Um, I'm more than likely going to have triple Arsenal and triple United to begin with. And the game week four fixture doesn't give me any pause whatsoever to do. So it's just part of FPL. You'll often have your players playing against each other. And in this case, it's not as bad at all because there's four attacking players and there's two defensive ones. If I go on Nana and Gabriel, and then two attackers from each team, you're just hoping for a goal fest. And even though you've got you know six players in one fixture in one game week, you can still rack up a lot of points. Um, you know you only really need one or two of them to go big, and then it's absolutely fine. So that doesn't give me any concern whatsoever. Question from Ishan Garg: Is Joe Pedro a good shout for the third striker spot? My short answer is no because of the price point, five point five. Where do you go if it doesn't work out? If you go for Joe Pedro, if he gets benched game week one, if he joins the 59th minute club in game week one, you're going to want to sell him game week two. And if you've got no money in the bank, where do you go? That is the issue. So I don't like him as an option. I think he could be a very good FPL prospect this season. But as I often say, you don't need to be the first player to get on him. So I would probably advise against Joe Pedro until we see minutes, until we see attacking returns, and then we can go there. Question from Grundy Groupie. Is it a good idea to buy Ederson or another 5.5 million goalkeeper and be ready to trade quickly and free up cash once we know who the starters are in other teams? Or is it a waste to tie up 5.5 in the goalkeeper and an early transfer on the goalkeeper position? So go back to my golden rules. One of them was aim to only make goalkeeper changes on a wildcard. So straight away, I don't like this idea of a goalkeeper transfer, maybe game week three or game week four, because you really want to be making your transfers more so in midfield and up front this season. So I, I think starting with Ederson's absolutely fine. But if I was starting with him, I'd be open to the idea of keeping him until the first wildcard. If he does well, you just keep him. 
Um, Ederson is my pick if you are going for a 5.5 goalkeeper, but I do prefer Onana and spend the cash elsewhere or throw a dart at a 4.5 option and then reassess it on the first wildcard. So don't like the idea of booking an early transfer for a goalkeeper. But again, if I seen a team with Ederson, I would not tell someone to take him out because yes, he was frustrating last season, but put that aside, Ederson could be a great pick this season. Next question is from Ryan. Is tripling up on Brighton and Aston Villa too much? It feels like it is, but there's just so many good options. And Ryan mentions Estupinen, Matoma, Joe Pedro, Pau Torres, Diaby and Watkins. Yeah, I probably wouldn't triple up on either team to begin with. I'm quite comfortable tripling up on a United, an Arsenal or a City. You know, better teams that you've got more faith in long term as FPL picks. A double up from Brighton to me feels like enough because don't put too much weight on the early fixtures because Brighton's first three are great, but when they get to around game week four, game week five, you're not going to want to have triple Brighton. So keep that in mind. That's why I prefer two Brighton rather than three. And Aston Villa as well. Pau Torres was on my watch list along with Matty Cash, but I removed both players because I think there's a lot of rotation concerns at Aston Villa. I think Emery has said we could see Consa and Pau Torres playing fullback positions from time to time. We don't really know who's going to be playing centre-back. There's a lot of options there. They've got Europe to manage as well. So there's just too much uncertainty for me in the Aston Villa defence to go there. That's why I prefer a safer player for minutes of like a Tarkowski or a Botman. Um, so I'm not looking at Aston Villa apart from Ollie Watkins. Again, if you're braver than me with new players to the league and you really think Diaby is going to hit the ground running, by all means, go there. You know, back your gut if you think he's a really, really good pick. If you think he's better than Matoma and Bumo and all those guys, you know, back your instinct and go there. You can always transfer him out if it doesn't work out. But for me, it'll be double Brighton, probably a stupid and maybe Matoma. And if I don't go Matoma, I might end up just with one Brighton asset because, again, so much rotation risk with those players now with Europe and lots of options for Deserbi to choose from. And when it comes to Aston Villa, probably going to be just Ollie Watkins. So I wouldn't recommend a triple up from either side question from fpl just brill and hopefully we do all have a just brill fpl season how many game weeks is it best to plan ahead with the overall squad of 15 players every manager is different when they're kind of going into a new season you know some managers will kind of only look at the first four game weeks some will look at longer some will take a very long approach and maybe look at the first first half of the season in terms of fixtures when they're picking their game week one squad my approach this season I like the way the international breaks are after every four game weeks. So I think there's three international breaks in September, October and November. And we'll have four game weeks in between each one. So I like, again, I'm not saying I'm definitely going to wildcard between game week eight and game week nine. But I like the second international break as a time frame as a possible wildcard destination. So for that reason, I'm looking a bit further ahead than the first four game weeks. I'm kind of looking at the first eight game weeks anytime I look at a fixture ticker. So I'm kind of looking at short term, how are the teams looking first four game weeks and a little bit of a longer view, uh, you know, first eight. So again, I, I mentioned this on a on a video on Fantasy Football Scout this week. I think we all, we all fall into the trap of putting too much weight on the first fixture of the season. So if you're looking at a fixture ticker, remove the first game week and see how that changes your thinking. You know, for example, if you take away Liverpool's first game week, their first game would be Bournemouth at home. 
And then I think a lot more of us would have Trent and a lot more of us would have Salah. So it kind of helps you to have a longer view approach when you're picking your FPL team. So yeah, don't fall into the trap of looking too short term. I think eight game weeks or anything, you know, six to eight game weeks is probably a good horizon to look at when you're building your game week one squad. Final questions from John Ramsbottom. Has the Premier League's announcement that it will use World Cup style added time in matches made you consider any changes to your team? Are centre-backs and players with questionable expected minutes significantly less appealing? Overall, I don't think this will make too much of a difference. Again, probably a slight negative for defenders in terms of clean sheet potential if they're still on the pitch. And then players who play 90 minutes often, players like Ollie Watkins, Bruno Fernandes, Harry Kane if he stays... These guys who play 90 minutes often could be playing 100 minutes often now. So you've got that little bit of extra time for attack and returns. So my advice here is don't let this change your thinking too much. I've always been a player, a manager anyway, who goes for those 90 minute men. Um, So my approach is not really going to change. And I'm just hoping that that kind of style of play that I do go for safe, safe, steady eddies who get 90 minutes often will hopefully benefit me over the course of the season. Hopefully I'll be getting a few 99th minute winners from some of my players. Uh, but yeah, certainly certainly makes uh, sweating over clean sheets a lot worse. It's hard enough sweating for 90 minutes without having to sweat for 105 minutes for clean sheets if you're on a double defence or, or dare I say it, a triple defence, which I've been on a couple of times. I think I was on triple Newcastle defence at some points last season. I think the the added time might give me a little bit of extra pause before I ever triple up on a defence again. That is the questions covered. Thank you for sending them in. I hope you found this podcast useful. Happy tinkering for the next week. I will talk to you again before the season starts. I'm not exactly sure which day it's going to be yet. I've got a busy weekend this weekend. We've got Sonny's christening. We've got a lot of family from Ireland, so I'm going to be out of action for a couple of days. And then, like I mentioned, I'm travelling to Fantasy Football Fest on Friday next week. So, podcast probably Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, sometime around that point. Keep an eye on Twitter at FPL General and I'll give you a heads up of when that episode is going to be. Happy tinkering and I'll talk to you all next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.